Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having an awesome day. You know, I was up at about 4 o'clock this morning, just, just one of those nights where I had a lot on my mind, and I've had a busy week coming back in from traveling. And it started off just beautiful. You know, I sat down, I did a little bit of study and wanted to get ready for today's show, then jumped on over to Harbor Docks, and it was a, a nice fall shower. And, I mean, the rain was falling on the water, and, and then as, as the daylight, you know, the dawn takes. I was just thankful that I'm alive, thankful for this time period in life, because this is what it's about. Today's show is sponsored once again by 2110, the great company with Life Shots. And this may be one of the most potent nutritional supplements. Can't think of anything else to call it. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that there's nothing fancy to it. If you go to 2110.com, you can read up on Life Shots. You'll understand what it's about. And and I just, I got to praise Richard Brooks for being the the visionary that he is. He's created a company of culture, but of high ethics. And that's why I, I had them really sponsor this show, is because Richard walks his ethics. He wrote a, a beautiful article and then did a, a, an actual speech on it called United We Stand. And he really sets that culture that we all need to live by. Matter of fact, as I look at this, here's their cultural commitments. I thought this was great. Over at, over at 2110 and OxyFresh, they have a commitment to authenticity, a commitment to honoring diversity, a commitment to doing the right thing leadership, a commitment to having a powerful relationship with one's personal vision, a commitment to having fun, a commitment to a new way of communicating and selling that is focused on listening to and honoring what is important to the customer. I thought that was great. A commitment to being a passionate promoter of their vision and their culture. A commitment to championing the success of every person, organization, and company in network marketing. A commitment to being personally and financially free. Man, I can, I can attest to that because in their debit card, it's a complete financial management system on the backside. It's wonderful. A commitment to personal and spiritual growth that expresses the no-limit nature of the human spirit. This is what Richard and the company stands for, and I've got to, I just got to praise him every chance I get because he's, he's out there doing it right. And when you do it right, it may not be as fast as other people get there, but you will get there with ethics and integrity. Today we are in Chapter 5, the five factors that can tarnish the golden rule. If you just tuned in, we've been in John Maxwell's books, Ethics 101, what every leader needs to know. See, it's very important that we simplify ethics. And in this book, John simplified it right down to the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I thought that was powerful. John talks again. He says, you know, in Chapter 4, we talked about Mark Wright and the success he had at building character. But we also have to look at the flip side. Not every time that you make an ethical decision does it have a happy ending. He talks about Mike Slaughter, head football coach of the Marquee Catholic High School in Alton, Illinois. It was during the 2002 season, literally, he was leading his team to a lifetime record. It was going to be the... It's when everything just comes together. You've heard of the perfect storm? Well, this was the perfect season. Their team was 10-0, and 
and they were on track to earn the school's first state championship. It's what everybody in high school, as a high school coach, dreams of because you know that now even you will have the colleges looking at you. But something happened. The night before the championship game, 16 of his players, all starters, were arrested for underage drinking at a party. The group even included his own son. The coach had always told his players that if they got into trouble with alcohol, tobacco, or drugs, he would suspend them from the team. And now he had an ethical decision to make. Well, he he did what he'd been preaching. He suspended the players. It boiled down to accountability, explained Slaughter. They broke the rules. He told his own son, who he's picked up from the sheriff's office, Son, all I can tell you is you messed up. I'll always love you, but you need to learn from this. And what happened? Those suspended players all suited up for the big game, and they sat on the bench. They became the biggest cheerleaders for that second and third string players that were out there fighting for the state championship. It doesn't have a happy ending. The team lost 63-0. to zero. But Coach Slaughter had no regrets for his, his, for his decision. See, many times over his lifetime he had received calls from someone telling him that a friend had died while drunk driving. See, not all the time were those ethical decisions be easy to make. But they're worth it. When you stand for what you believe in, there'll be people that disagree with you, people that will end up hating you. But at least you can go to bed at night knowing that you made the right decision. It's funny because today when people stand up and do the right thing, it gets a lot of media attention. It almost gets more media attention than when people do something unethical at the very top. And I think the reason it is is because the media has come to accept unethical business practices, unethical personal practices. Man, do you remember the first time you heard that one of your friends had an affair? What was it the first time you turned on the TV and saw that somebody in Hollywood had been caught with somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife? Gosh, think back. Remember those days in the 50s and the 60s? When in TV shows you never saw unwed pregnancies, you never saw affairs taking place, and and if they even alluded to it, it was so taboo. Today it's just second nature. And I'm not I'm not trying to bring my morals into this. Listen to me, I'm talking about ethics. See, I believe, and and this is whether you do or not, I believe that when you take a marriage vow. That you make a commitment. It's no different than cutting your hand as a child or spitting in your palm and becoming blood brothers, blood sisters. I have a, a company that I've fallen in love with. It's called Rustelli Direct, just a great family. Ray Rustelli and his business partners all conduct business the old-fashioned way. They shake hands. No fancy long-term agreements or anything like that. For 35 years, he's been walking on his word, and people understand if Ray Rustelli, Tony Rustelli, or any of the family 
or any of the executives that represent those two tell you here's what we're doing, then you can bet your life on it. See, this is what we're talking about when we talk about the golden rule. You treat others the way you want to be treated. So what are the what are the five factors that can tarnish the golden rule? Number one is pressure. Many of the ethical violations that keep emerging in corporate America especially are due to executives cooking the books or somehow hiding something. They want to make their organizations appear more successful than they are. I see the same thing happen all the time in network marketing. Top leaders want to say they're making more money than they really are. They want to cook their books, cook their 1099s. Sadly, they never give a thought to who's looking at those numbers on the Internet. And sooner or later, an IRS agent's going to audit one of these guys, and their house of cards are going to become tumbling down because of their pride. So you cannot do that. You cannot, you cannot under pressure, decide that you're going to do things one way when in your heart you know it should be done another Two good movies of this is called Wall Street and Wall Street Number Two. Great movies to show what happens when you're not ethically sound. Boiler Room is another one. According to Linda Trevino, professor of organizational behavior at Penn State, ethical breaches are often the result of the corporate culture or pressure from management. Pressure that can emerge when a company finds itself unable to live up to the financial forecast or expectation and tries to bend the rule to achieve it. Wow. Does that happen? Does it happen in your life? Does it happen in your business? Without a doubt, we live in a fast-paced culture. Here's some things that you might want to ask yourself the next time you're in an ethical dilemma. Am I going to make a rash emotional decision in other words am I going to allow the pressure to make me do something with a knee jerk am I going to compromise the truth am I going to take shortcuts am I going to keep my commitments am I going to bow to others opinions am I going to make promises I can't keep those are those are personal questions I face them every day in business you meet good friends, you like them, and they run companies, and they're shady. They don't put in the right quality of formula. They don't do things that they need to do. Their policies and procedures have got too many gotchas for distributors. Do you turn a blind eye to it? No. You call it what it is, see if they'll correct it, and if they don't, then that's okay. That's their problem, but at least in my case, I've made it public. See, you have to go by your ethics, by the values that you live by. I've learned a long time ago, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at this. But everything I do, I try to analyze and think, okay, what would the Lord want me to do? How, 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 would I, how should I react to this based on biblical principles that I claim I live by? Then the second criteria I, I, I do and I'm different from everybody else I just happen to be married to an inspirational romance writer so I automatically say how will this affect Paige's profession and what she does as a writer 
Then I say, how will this affect my kids? Then I move forward. Not everybody's like this. This is just the way I do it. But you've got to find some benchmark to work with. You can't just fly by the seat of your pants. It doesn't work that way. The second factor that tarnishes the golden rule is pleasure. Did you ever think about that one? John writes, let's face it, we live in a, I don't know, he uses some funky word that I don't have a clue what it means, but here's, here's the basic gist of it. For decades, people in America were encouraged by the words, if it feels good, do it. But that attitude has left us with a terrible legacy. Runaway, runaway debt, bankruptcy, divorce, and drug addiction. The desire for pleasure can be a terrible master. The fact is that the pleasures most of us pursue are short-lived and leave us unfulfilled. And the sad thing is we never look at history. If you look at just the Roman Empire and the fact that when they turned into a self-indulging, pleasuristic society, they soon fell. It's not saying that we're not supposed to have fun. Right now I'm, I'm getting ready to write a series of articles that will have nothing to do with direct selling. It'll be on my personal blog. And it has to do with relationships. Secrets that men keep is kind of the title I stole from Stephen Arterburn for this. But it has to do with one word that John talked about in here, divorce. See, I'm learning why the majority of people have an affairs, men and women. And truly it is for pleasure to a certain degree. And it's sad. When I look at bankruptcy, same principle. It's that lifestyle that people crave. It's that instant gratification instead of life transformation. We've got some series coming up on that one. See, pleasure can rip you apart from an ethical standpoint. My baby girl, Tessa, who just turned 17 and I were in Vegas this last March. And we were both totally blown away at the open containers of people drinking and walking down the streets. The bizarre sexual appetites of people that were there gave us lots of things to talk about. It's funny when you see it on TV, but when you really live that, you start to realize, man, there's some warped freaking people in this world. All for pleasure. At somebody else's expense. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do to you. Are you a top leader in direct selling today? And you don't want to lose your lifestyle, so you're cutting corners, you're taking deals, you're, you're, you're looking at your downline and saying, who can I get rid of, and then calling yourself a servant leader? Hey, I might be stepping on your toes. Life sucks. You either walk your walk or you should retire and get out of the profession. Go down at the top. But you got to treat people the way you want to be treated. It's the only way to make it happen. Mark Twain wrote this. I thought this was good. There are several good precautions against temptation, but the surest is cowardness. If you know you are especially susceptible to a pleasure that would tempt you to cross an ethical line, put yourself out of harm's way. When you see it coming, cross the other side of the street. The best way to avoid temptation is to prevent it. The second key is develop discipline. 
So I watched a movie in the 80s called Top Gun, and one of the songs in there was Danger Zone. And I've always taught my boys, although none of them probably have lived it to the fullest, is to put a big sign up in their mind's eye that says Danger Zone, bridge out, long before the temptation is there. See, there's an actual universal rule called the law of diminishing returns. If you play with fire long enough, your inhibitions will go down and you will get burned. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how strong you are. I've said this before and I'll say it again. A majority of the televangelists in the 1980s that went down like dominoes had all said, this can never happen to me, I'm a man of God. It can happen to all of us. We look at pleasures. We don't have that self-discipline. We haven't put up the danger zone. Please do that. You must. You have to develop discipline. I learned that in the Marine Corps, thank goodness. It's funny because Richard Foster wrote this. The disciplined person is a person who can do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. The disciplined person is a person who can live in the appropriateness of the hour. A disciplined person is a free person. That's pretty powerful when you think about it. Number three is power. Power is the third factor that tarnishes the golden rule. And this is a big one in direct selling. An average, everyday person in their own mind joins a network marketing company, and all of a sudden they're free. They they realize that they love what they're doing. They they they're passionate. They go out there and they start sharing, and the next thing you know, they start succeeding. They attract people. They're going up in the ranks, and the higher they go, the more power they get. It's kind of like a guy in in corporate America that becomes a CEO. Many times we can start believing our own press. I know. I've had this happen. It's, it's, it sucks, to be quite honest. I remember setting my first goals. People said, have five-year goals. I said, five-year goals. I want to be financially independent, be a millionaire, own my own business. And at 25, I had a bail bond company that on paper was worth millions. I thought I was invincible. At 26, I didn't have a pot to piss in. No business, Nothing. You'd think I would have learned, but I didn't. Took two more times. Power. If you look at many of the recent scandals in business, it's because executives have abused their powers and position. Look at how much sexual harassment goes on. And this isn't just men, it's also women. Position of power. And it goes to their head. They start treating everything like it's theirs. It's mine. I can do with it what I want. Thank goodness the founding fathers realized that there is no one man strong enough or wise enough to be trusted with unlimited power, and they made three branches of government. It's really amazing when you look at it. 
You look at everything that's happened. John writes this, people who are susceptible to power issues typically experience a cycle in the following pattern. A reciprocation of power. See, the power itself is neutral like money. It's a tool that can be used for good or evil. See, it isn't the love for money. It's the love of money. See, that's the kicker. Well, it's not the love of power. It's the love for power. See, one, it's one thing to say, I want to be in a position of power. I want to do good. I want to do something. But it's also wrong when you say, I want that power so I can be in control. And then you start harming people. An abuse of power. One of the dangers of power is that once it's entrusted with somebody, they can abuse it. And worse yet is the loss of power and what happens to people. This is why it can tarnish that golden rule. Harry Truman wrote this, If a man can accept a situation in the place of power with the thought that it's only temporary, he comes out all right. But when he thinks he is in the cause of power, that can be his ruination. Harry Truman should know he came from a city that was corrupt with power and moved into the White House and during a time period where corruption was pretty high due to the war and what was going on. Number four is pride. Now, pride cometh before destruction. Pride comes when there come, then comes disgrace. These are things that have been written. Pride only breeds quarrel. A man's pride brings him low. Now, John writes this, and this is good. He says, having a sense of worth because of who you are is a good thing. So is having confidence in what you can do. However, having an exaggerated sense of self-worth can be a highly destructive. Many times I have people say, you just think you know it all. You think you're a guru. I'm going to show people that you're wrong. And every time I write back, and say, man, I'm far from, from knowing everything, and if you can prove me wrong, I will shoot a video, and I will broadcast it from the highest ceilings in a heartbeat. See, I've learned from my mistakes. I get words of affirmation all the time from people. Troy, thank you. Troy, you, you're the greatest. Troy, you're this. Troy, you're that. A long time ago, those words of affirmation stop meaning anything except from a few people. My mom, my wife, my kids, my dad. That's it. Well, except I one of these days want to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. They, they Don't get me wrong, they make you feel good. But man, I've been burned because of my pride, and I never wanted to get out of control. I remember believing everything they were writing about me in the newspaper. Sadly, good and bad. That's not what it's about. See, think about this for a minute. If your pride is to say, I am the greatest, and you're going to go out there and kick everybody's butt, how can you live by the golden rule? John writes this. How can people treat others the way they want to be treated if their preoccupation is to beat them? They can't. In fact, if our goal is to be richer, smarter, or better looking than everyone else, then your focus is entirely on yourself and your own interests. 
That's why I hate it when people say he's a watchdog, he's a guru. Man, I'm nothing but an average, everyday man, loves Jesus and wants to do the best for his family. I just happen to love the profession I'm in. Pride's not an easy thing to conquer. And it can tarnish that golden rule, so you've got to be focused. Benjamin Franklin observed this, There is perhaps no one of our nature natural... There is perhaps not one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Do we not see this in Hollywood all the time? Do we not see it on Wall Street? Do we not see it in Washington? Make sure, think, I hope you're writing this down. At least listen to this again in the archives. Number five is priorities. Jim Collins, who I, I, I tell you what, every time I'm, I'm with Jim, I get excited. He's the author that wrote Built to Last, Good to Great, on and on. He just wrote a new book. He's going to be a catalyst. I'm going to have fun just hanging out <coughs> Excuse me, and listening. I, I, I pick up so many nuggets of wisdom from the powerful leaders that show up at Catalyst every October. But John's, or Jim's done extensive research on what makes company highly successful. Listen to this. When he recently was asked what his research indicated about the importance of ethics in building a successful business, Collins replied, Our research points to one essential element in any successful business. Those that are the best have built a set of core values and live by them. Guess what? Businesses are not built by robots. They're built by people. Which means the same is true about individuals. Anytime a person doesn't know what his priorities are, how can he find himself in trouble? There's no way. He, he, he won't know if he's in trouble or not in trouble. He has nothing to live it by. You have to set priorities, and then you have to have the guts. Matter of fact, I'm going to get raw for a minute. If you're a man, you better have the balls to live up to him. If you're a woman, you better have the ovaries to live up to him. There is none of this, oops, oops, I made a mistake. No. You set your priorities, and then hell or high water, you live by that. There's a reason that country music and, and bluegrass music is so prevalent in today's culture. It's because people listen to the songs, and there's so many ethical stories in them. Now, don't get me wrong. There's the whining and the dining and the screwing around, all that crap, too. But I'm talking about the ones that are something. Toby Keith just brought out one, Born in America. Powerful stuff. Kid Rock brought out one, Born Free. Talks about America. You want to know why? Because America was strongly built on different principles than the other countries at the time. And people love to get back to those roots. Well, by golly, this is your chance today. Don't hold back. You've got to set your priorities. What are yours? What are they going to be in 50 or 100 years? Richard Brooke at 2110, I told you the sponsor of this show this week, has a 100-year business plan. He knows what really matters. He knows that someday he's going to be dead, but that business plan is going to move on. You need to do that. You got to keep away from letting the tarnish take over the golden rule. You better keep it polished. It's funny. One thing that that you got to look at when when we're looking at things is that of these five priorities, you might have noticed that John didn't say money. 
tarnishes the golden rule. See, money usually isn't the the root of all evil. It's the love of what money can bring somebody. The pride, the power. It's kind of funny when you actually sit down and think about it. This is why we got to be cautious. See, everyone, myself included, you included, is susceptible to some kind of temptation to compromise our back. But there's a greater satisfaction that comes from not crossing the lines. Sometimes you just got to wait. And if you wait and you hold your ground and you do it right, you're going to make it. Folks, tomorrow, seizing your golden opportunity. I think you're going to love this, Chapter 6. I challenge you to go buy John's book, Ethics 101, What Every Leader Needs to Know. He's got a new book coming out, The Five Levels of Leadership. We'll be doing that after Catalyst, but this is a great book. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow morning with me for RealMentorsRadio.com.